Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seriously, man, you don't really think we're going to see any Canutes and 41 Rockies jerseys here at Coors Field, do you? I mean, no offense, I know you're a local and all, but that was a long time ago. You never know. I've seen some old guy jerseys around here, haven't you? In fact, I actually heard from a really good source. You mean you saw it on Twitter. Whatever. I heard that Chad Cool's wearing 41 now for the Rockies because he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan and he watched me wearing number 41 back in the day. That, you know, that's pretty cool, right? I see what you did there, Mark. Yeah, okay, wait. Look, he's right over there. Let's just go ask him. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't bother him. What do you mean? We're media. That's our job. Follow me. Uh, okay, but, but let me ask him. Hey, Chad, I'm Mark Knutson. This is Manny Randall. We do a podcast called the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. He came up with the name. Congrats on your great start to the season. Are you liking it here? He's got a question for you, Chad. Okay, I heard somewhere that you're wearing number 41 here as a Rocky because, you know, I wore it a while back. A long okay, while back. Okay, whatever. I wore 41 in Milwaukee, as I'm sure you know, since I heard you grew up a Brewers fan and all. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, grew up in Delaware. Um, you know, kind of watched the Phillies kind of growing up, but uh, never really heard of you. So when they gave me 41, I don't think it really had some uh, significance behind it. Sorry. Yeah, what's what show am I on? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Even though all hope for the postseason has been extinguished, it still appears that the Colorado Rockies will stay the course for the remainder of this season, starting with the re-signing of Daniel Bard. This week on the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast, we're joined by Mark Feinsand from MLB Network and MLB.com to look at the Rockies' reasoning, trade candidates around the league, and which teams might make moves to improve and which ones won't. Interesting takes from a guy who knows the score. Stay with us. Our first pitch comes up next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Manny, we've been waiting for this weekend for a long time around here because with no hope on the field, we are always hope there's some hope off the field. Um, not sure what a 2-4 and four homestand does to that. Extinguishes any little flicker of playoff hopes that the organization was holding on to. We all knew it's a long time, a long time ago, this wasn't going to end up where they wanted it, but here we are now. Um, the Rockies are dead in the water. The question now becomes, will they do anything at the trade deadline or will they continue to act like they're in their own little world? Yeah. And uh, I think, I think the, 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 the Rockies will continue to do what the Rockies do. And we've seen a little bit of evidence of that with what happened here uh, over the, over the weekend with Daniel Bard signing, signing an extension. Um, but today we've got uh, on the podcast, we're, we're honored to have Mark Feinstein, national columnist for MLB.com. He's, um, you know, you see him regularly on MLB Network. He is the the man who is in the know and knows what what's happening and what's being said, uh, you know, uh, behind closed doors. And uh, and we're really glad to have you, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you if you would um, maybe right off the top, give us your impressions of um, the Daniel Bard um deal in the sense of who else was in the in the mix there and what other teams might have been calling the Rockies on him well I would imagine that a lot of teams have called the Rockies about Bard I mean you've got at least a dozen teams out there right now looking for relief pitching uh and probably not a dozen legitimate relief pitchers on the market so um 
you know, I, I don't know that they would have gotten a huge high end prospect for him because, you know, the two month rental and, out two months. Yeah. You know, it's two months. He's 37. It's uh you know, he's not a long track record kind of a guy. He's obviously had a really nice, uh, you know, comeback here with the Rockies ever since he came back to the league. But I think there was also a sense on both sides that they, they wanted the relationship to continue. And, you know, when I kept looking at David Robertson and Bard as sort of the two closers that are on the market, you know, Robertson's been in Chicago for four months. There's no ties there. There's no, you know, he hasn't been with the organization for forever or even for, you know, more than four months. Bard, you know, this is where he came back after that lengthy absence. He restarted his career in Colorado. I I think there's a comfort level there. And so it didn't surprise me. If they hadn't been able to come to a contract extension, I I think there's a pretty good chance he would have been traded. But I I think, like I said, there was a, there was certainly an interest on both sides to continue the relationship. They were able to work out the extension and uh, and he'll be back. And I, I think it's a you know it's it's a good good contract for Bard and a good contract for the Rockies. As Definitely well. a great contract for Bard. Um, I think the the the, the um, head scratching around this these parts here is that if you can get something first, let me ask this: Do you think there might have been a little bit of an overpay? Maybe not a high, super high end prospect, but a little bit given that there aren't like you said the supply and demand here with the, with relief pitching on the market. Do you think that you know they could have had a decent return in the sense of if this team really were to start trying to look toward the future rather than trying to compete in a stacked NL West and, you know, trying to basically say we're in it right now, if they were trying to do that, do you think that they would have been, they would have received something decent back? It's possible. It's entirely possible. You know, teams have to weigh the pros and cons of trading a guy. If they want to continue the relationship with him, the question is, well, could we trade him? get something back for him and then just resign him. That's another question. Yeah. And I always talk about that because we saw the biggest case of that, you know, five, six years ago with the world as Chapman, the Yankees traded Mm -hmm. him. They got Glaber Torres and um, you know, in in this package, uh, you know, this four player package from the Cubs. And it was like, okay. And then they went out and re-signed him. Name another one though. Right. Like that's uh, every time I talk to, like I have a, I went to school in Boston. I have some friends up there who are huge Red Sox fans and they keep talking. And I always say, well, you know, what if they trade Bogarts, he opts out, and then they try to re-sign him? And they're always like, well, that never happens. And I always say, well, it happened with the oldest Chapman. And they're like, great, name the other person that ever happened with. And <laughs> yeah. they're kind of right. It doesn't really happen that often. So, you know, I I have to think that for, for a pitcher that they wanted to keep, look, they knew what teams were calling. They knew roughly what teams were offering. Uh, if they thought they could get, you know, a top 10 prospect from somebody's system, they probably would have done it maybe as you get closer maybe. To the deadline on Tuesday, maybe they would have had that overpay off, you know, present but, itself. But I, you know, they, they had a plan and they executed it. You, you, but you say they would have. I, they don't operate like that. You used the word comfortable earlier, and that is a preeminent fixture with this organization. It's comfortable. Who do they can't? Who are they comfortable with? Who they want to keep in the fold without thought, forethought? As Manny was talking about about the future, how to build for the future. They don't operate like the other teams in baseball. And it's maddening for those of us around here because Bard, CJ Crone, these guys should, you're on a last place team. You should be trading these guys and getting prospects back in return. You're not, your farm system is shallow. You need more bodies. You need more prospects. You need better player development. And you're just staying comfortable. And it's maddening for those of us around here. Well, I think, I think the other thing too, is that like with CJ Crone, he's, he's owed 7 million next year. That's a bargain for what he, what he's producing. And so it's a team friendly contract under yep. control next year. If they were thinking about, I mean, the giants are 51 and 52, they're four out. And they're like reportedly, as you know, listening on everybody except Logan mm-hmm. Webb, not that they're going to trade, not that they're going to trade everybody away, mm-hmm. 
but that they're listening. The Rockies are not even listen. They don't they don't hardly listen on anybody. It seems, and it's just kind of like the Rockies are actually today they're nine back of the wild card last wild card spot and so i think um and then it goes back to last year like trevor story and john gray right like john gray i mean there was this idea that john will would would resign so there's something there but trevor you know i don't think there was ever any indication that he was gonna resign and they didn't they didn't trade him at the deadline for well any in the rockies defense and i'm not in the business of defending or attacking anybody because <laughs> i have no skin in the yeah. game yeah in their defense i'm not sure the offers were really coming in hot and heavy for story remember he was dealing with that arm injury yeah he wasn't right. having a good there game. were a lot of questions about him and you know bill schmidt basically had to decide the offers that are coming in are they better than the 35th pick or whatever number pick they were going to get pick, yeah. as compensation uh for letting him go you know for him walking as a free agent with the qualifying offer and that was basically what they were weighing it against. And I, I talked to some people around the league, and they said, I don't, I don't know that the offers were better than that. It was, okay. you know, here's here's some volume prospects, some guys maybe, you know, fringy kind of prospects. Here's three or four of them. Here's three or four lottery tickets and and but, take your chances. But, he, but, there, but nobody there was giving history. them a top prospect for a guy who they weren't sure if he was going to make it through the year. But their history with their lottery tickets, as you called it, in recent years isn't very good. I mean, their draft picks, they get a high mark for this past draft, but their history of developing, developing these guys, you know, as Bill Parcells used to say, if I want to buy the groceries, if I'm going to cook the dinner, right. they're not good cooks. They're just not. <laughs> and that's been proven out over, over years. I mean, they'll have their Nolan Arenados and their Trevor stories, but by and large, and Manny and I were talking before you joined us about the kid from the Dodgers, the Outman, who the Dodgers just seem to come up with one of these guys or two of these guys every single year. Every single year, there's a rookie of the year candidate. We're in Dodger blue. When was the last time the Rockies had a rookie of the year candidate? They just don't do it. And if you're a draft and develop organization, as Bill Schmidt has labeled them, you got to do better at both of those things. And I don't think their development's good enough that they can pass on taking at least some prospects who have played, at least some guys you've seen them on the field. Yeah, I think that was the thing. The thing was that, you know, I think people around here were thinking, well, maybe you get a known quantity, relatively known quantity back rather than maybe, you know, guys starting right from the, you know, right from- you don't know anything about. Out of college or out of high school. But, you know- you know that's fair. I mean, you, you know, For the people they, I they, talked to last year, that, the offers yeah. that were that were coming into Colorado were not necessarily known quantities. They well, weren't guys that answers that. Look at and say and say, well, this guy succeeded at a double A, so we think he projects to even be, you know, a platoon player or this yeah. or this. I, I'm not sure. I'm telling you that that army really scared some. It people. was yeah, right. it was legit. Yeah. Well, that because that that answer. I was that. stunned when he wasn't traded. And of course, I started making phone calls to be like, "Well, how is that even possible?" Mm-hmm. And that was the answer I got: was I don't think the offers were out there because people were concerned about his health, yeah. and you weren't giving up serious prospect capital for a guy who was going to be a free agent. You weren't going to resign, and you don't know if he was even going to be able to really help you down the stretch. There, you know, as a lot a of questions. That's very fair. Let's get to Juan Soto because uh, this is I've heard not coming to the Rockies. Soto, Soto mania, Soto mania. Um, <laughs> what's the latest? You know, I would say it's 50 50 at this point. He even gets traded by Tuesday. Okay. Um, really? You know, I know it's always 50 50. Either it happens or it doesn't. But, you know, I, I just think this is such a complicated deal to put together. It's going to be such a big deal. One, one GM that I spoke to predicted it's going to be the biggest package of prospects and players that's ever been traded from one team to another. Yeah, amazing. Um, and you know, because you don't see guys with two and a half years of control who are arguably the best hitter in the game. Yeah. You don't see those guys hit the trade market ever with that with that yeah. amount of time left at twenty three. So mm-hmm. you know, Miguel Cabrera, you can kind of think back to when he got traded from 
Florida to Detroit, but I'm not even sure he was. I don't think Juan he was at Soto the yet, right? I mean, yeah. he was. Everybody knew he was really good, but I don't think anybody knew he was Juan Soto. Uh, this sounds like an off-season of type of deal. Then, right? I, I think right. it will. I mean, look, the only team in my mind that's going to step up and pay the freight right now is San Diego. Really, they have okay. they have the urgency. You know, Preller knows that like the Dodgers are as good as they are, the Mets are as good as they are. If they want to get to the World Series for the first time since what 1998, yeah, this is yeah. what they're gonna. You know, they need to bring in another big, big guy, and uh, you know, Soto obviously would make them a lot better. But this feels like more of an offseason thing to me. Um, I don't think Mike Rizzo is going to make a deal by Tuesday just because the deadline's here. He knows he can do it in the yeah. offseason, and he's going to yeah. get the same huge haul for him. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, this is kind of a gra- laying groundwork. What's happening right now? I mean, I'm John Zeliak. Yeah, John Mazeliak, famously now because of Twitter, was was with uh, Mike uh, Rizzo in uh, in the box right. there today, and you know the famous handshake and all. It's just, it's not, I mean, they're probably just potentially laying groundwork for talks in the off season, and and that kind of homework gets done now, right? Yeah, I mean, look, could he get traded by Tuesday? Absolutely. I mean, he's out there, right? Yeah. If some team wants to go overpay and and be really aggressive and make it happen. He's there, but I just I am not sold that it is going to happen by Tuesday. Um, and the fact that Luis Castillo just drew a package That's incredible three of Seattle's top five prospects. Mm-hmm. If one if one year and two months of Luis Castillo is worth three of a team's top five prospects, what's Juan Soto worth? What happened there, Mark? Because man, when we saw the haul that the Reds got back, that was mind blowing. Because again, Luis Castillo, great, but you know, like you said, how long do you have him for? And he's and and you know, he's a, he's a starting pitcher. That's great, but I mean, not I mean that that haul was humongous. Like what happened there from same, the Mariners side? Same word that I just used to describe the Padres applies to the Mariners. Urgency. Yeah, they haven't they haven't made the playoffs since two thousand and one. Jerry Depoto knows that you know he's got a team that has the ability to do that. They needed another big pitcher. Luis Castillo was the best starting pitcher on the market. And Jerry said, let's do it. This is, you know, all in. I don't know that Jerry's going to get fired if they don't make the playoffs. But, you know, at some point, teams move on when you keep missing the playoffs every right. single year, especially when there are expectations. So I think DePoto's probably got a little bit of that, like, well, we got to get to the playoffs and break this uh, two-decade drought, so this is the guy we need. Of course, then, like, the next day, Julio Rodriguez gets hurt, and uh, that doesn't help their case at all. Mark, when you're going to trade three of your top five prospects, you've got to have some faith that you've got people behind them in the farm system that are going to come up. Is that fair? I mean, it seems like, oh, we're going to empty the the chamber here to to get this guy, but i got to believe Jerry's got some guys, and Jerry and I used to do talk radio together, so maybe we're playing armchair quarterback here, but he's got to feel good about what he's got coming up behind those top three prospects. He's going to let him go. Is that fair? No. (laughs) <laughs> uh, really? I don't know. I mean, look, Seattle's uh, Seattle's farm system has produced some people and certainly yeah. graduated some players up there. And you look at, you know, Logan Gilbert, you look at J-Rod. Yeah. Obviously, now Kellenick's been a, a disappointment to this point. I think after this trade, the Mariners have one top 100 prospect left. Wow. Um, and that's Harry Ford, the catcher, who's like 19 years old and not anywhere close to the big leagues. They've still got some other guys who may not be top 100, but, you know, Emerson Hancock, young pitcher, double A, maybe he's here next year, maybe the year after. They got a couple of the young outfielders, but they, they just they just went all in. Uh, he mm-hmm. pushed all his chips to the middle of the table and, and understands that he thinks he's got, got a team that's good enough 
Uh, you know, he's got a 27-year-old shortstop. He traded two shortstop prospects. So, mm. you know, he likes J.P. Crawford okay. and thinks that that okay. can be his, his shortstop of the, you know, the next handful of years. But I just think, I think that urgency comes into play. And that's what we saw with Jerry, you know, mm. dumping all those prospects to get, to get Castillo. That's exciting. Uh, because I mean, in a way, I mean, yeah, it's it, because of the gamble, right? Because of the risk, yeah. and 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 the urgency, like you mentioned, Mark, is the is the thing. Is like once it comes down to the last week of September, you know, which we all think it's going to with the wild card races as they usually do, it's going to be fun because it's like, all right, they just they they roll the dice on this one, man. They this is everything. They're, they're this is like the Mariners need to get to the postseason, and on top of the fact that they've already they haven't haven't been there since Ichiro was a rookie, you right. know, in the majors. So um, that's that's really interesting. Uh, and and going back to the NL West uh, for the for 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 people who are Rockies fans listening to this, um, the Giants uh, and and kind of the Red Sox are in the same kind of boat too. But the Giants, what are we looking at them, with them? Are they? I, I heard they're leaning sell now. Yeah, man, I wish I knew. They, yeah, they are the most confusing team. Uh, them and the Red Sox are the most confusing yeah. teams out there. <laughs> okay. uh, they're both right there, game or two under 500, sort of on the within fringe, striking distance of sort of on the fringe of the, the wild card. card race, right? The yeah. Giants are four and a half games out of the three spot. Uh, the Red Sox are three and a half games out of the three spot, but they both have pieces that could help them going forward. And it doesn't mean they have to start a, a full rebuild with a full fire sale, right? I mean, you're not yeah. saying. They need to trade everybody, but if you're the Giants and you know that Carlos Rodon is probably going to opt out at the end of the year, why would you not trade him? Especially knowing what the starting pitching market looks like right oh, now. Yeah. And they got like Rodon. Look, yeah. you're not going to get the same return for two months of Rodon that that they got for a year no. and two months of Castillo. But I'll tell you, you could probably get a pretty good, pretty good prospect or two uh, yeah. from one of these teams that needs to add a starting pitcher. You know. Brandon Belt would be useful to teams. Jock Peterson's a free agent. I know he's on the COVID, on the uh, concussion IL right now, um, but assuming that that's not a, a serious thing, you know, Jock Peterson showed last year how much he can help a team yeah. down yeah. the stretch, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, wouldn't stun me if the Braves wanted to bring him back. Right? What about the, the Dodgers? This is interesting. What about the Dodgers? Would they trade with interdivision with the the ties that the front offices sort of have Ooh. there between the Giants and the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You don't usually see the rivals make a lot of deals, right? I mean, Brian Cashman once famously said that he talks to 28 GMs on a regular basis. And, you know, Theo Epstein was the one guy he just doesn't talk to because making trades with the Red Sox is just not realistic. I don't know if the Dodgers and Giants have that same feel. Obviously, Farhan has a, a connection with the, with the L.A. front office and, and worked there for a long time. And so maybe that is something. But uh, I'm not sure it would go over well in San Francisco to, like <laughs> to give the Dodgers a player that could help yeah. them win another world series. You know, one of those smaller deals, like I remember when I was covering the Yankees, they made a deal when the Yankees got Stephen drew and it was like, okay, no Red Sox fan cares at all that they just traded <laughs> Stephen drew. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they had traded him Nomar or Manny or somebody, yeah. that would have been a different story. Padres, let's let's let, real quick, Mark Padres, <laughs> just to wrap up the NLS Padres, um, AJ Preller, man, he's gone for it. Um, in the past, yes, he and he, we, he's he's pushed his chips to the middle of the table a lot, and the Padres have this weird way of being super exciting and then just falling flat. And uh, what are they in danger of something similar? And will that maybe create some urgency for Preller? You said the Padres might be the only team that pulls the trigger and tries mm-hmm. to get Soto on Tuesday. If 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 you had to pick one, yeah, I mean, offensively, their outfield's been fairly dreadful, and obviously yeah. adding. Uh, a guy like Soto would would help them a lot. You know, they haven't gotten a lot from behind the plate. Bullpens had a lot of injuries. 
uh, you know, Soto doesn't fix all of those things, but he but he makes everything look a lot better if you bring him in. Put him with uh, Manny and, and Tatis, and it's kind of and fun. then of course Tatis comes back at some point, so that's like mm-hmm. another uh, you know late summer acquisition as well. Yeah, there's urgency there, man. They 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 need to not just get to the playoffs; they need to try to make a little noise. Like in Seattle, I think if you get to the playoffs, they that's need to good. bounce in right. the first round. Successful year. Good. Yeah. We took that next step. We got back to October. Next year we get to October and we, you know, we make some noise. For the Padres, uh, they haven't made the playoffs in a non-COVID year yeah. in a while, right? I think the the, the bubble year. Was yeah, the that was, the, I think it was 98. It does go back to 98, yeah. in fact. Um, Doesn't it? I don't, I'm not, I can't remember. 2010, if, uh, they were on, in it to the last day. Bud Black, who's now here, obviously, but Bud Black was managing the Padres and they lost out to the Giants on the last day of the season in the division. I'm trying to think if they made it between well, 98 let's see. and 10. Through the magic of the internet, I can look this yeah. up in about You know, there's, a, there's this weird thing that, 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 that lets us look. Uh, 2005 and 2006, they, okay, they, they did. lost okay. the mid-division series. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, so since and the play-in game series, in 2007. Since it's that still... World Series play-in game, right. Not a play, That's not considered right. making the playoffs. Play-in playoff. game. Right. So oh, they, of course. They yeah, lost... How could we forget that around here? Right. So they lost, to the, uh, they lost in the first round in 05 and 06 with – 82 and 88 wins and then uh 2010 they had 90 wins but did not make the playoffs they did not get the wild card um and then actually you know you look at the covid year they 37 and 23 but then again they got bounced in the division series 3-0 so not been a very successful run for the padres for the last 25 years or so so yeah i think you know getting getting back there and, and actually having a shot to do something is important preller knows that and i think he'll uh you know, Preller and Depoto are two of the most aggressive GMs out say, there for a, a lot reason. of similarities between those two clubs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. No question. Hey, little, guys, is, is being a seller, though, it has a stigma. Like, it's it's a bad thing if you're a seller, you're giving up on the season. The Braves did a whole lot of selling this time a year ago, and they re- reshuffled everything. And you mentioned uh, Preller, who's done the same thing. Isn't there a way for a team to sell and still be a contender because that if you do it right that's what the braves did a year ago yeah i mean the braves were buyers too a year yeah. ago remember they, they yeah. remade that out they that brought they, it they a new outfield that ended yeah. up helping them uh you yeah. know win the world series but you know the braves were in that sort of weird spot last year acuna was out and so they knew like they were going to be without their best player um you know for for the rest of the year and they were sort of hovering around 500. But I think when they looked at their team, Alex Anthopoulos said, I still, you know, they were coming off of, what, two straight division titles going yeah. into that year. So, like, there was some there was some gravitas there. They knew that, like, what their team had. You know, the Red Sox had that sort of surprising year last year and really weren't expected to do much. And then this year, they've just had a lot of bad luck, a lot of injuries, and they've got some pieces headed to free agency that if they could sell – they would, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be a rebuild. You're not, right, right. you're not going into like the five-year plan. If you, if you trade JD Martinez and Nathan Evaldi right. and Xander Bogarts, in all likelihood, all three of those players are gone after this year anyway. Right. So why not bring something back if you don't think? I, I look at the Giants, I look at the Red Sox, and I say the Giants have three World Series championships in the last twelve years. Yep. The Red Sox have four World Series championships in the last eighteen years. For these teams, getting to the playoffs by a game and getting bounced in the first round is not not good enough. It's not exciting their fan base, right? right? These these fan bases want trips to the CS, they want trips to the World Series, they want rings. The Padres, the Mariners, the Phillies who haven't been to the playoffs in eleven or twelve years, uh, it's been these teams want to play in October. Yeah. So, I, I think you know the the 
the urgency to get there is different depending on the team. And I think as a result of that, you'll see some of those teams that feel that urgency approach this deadline a little differently than maybe the, the Giants or Red Sox might. How about a team like the Mets? They're getting to grow them back. Are, are, would urgency, would they be considered in that category? The, the Mets, uh, they've gone all in on a lot of things and they're playing very well, but you're never good enough, right, at this time of year? Well, remember, they've, <laughs> they have a new owner who's, yep. who's just yep. getting his uh, little journey here as, as yep. a Major League Baseball owner. He's worth $14 billion and uh, money is not going to be the issue that stops them from making a move. Look, they're getting DeGrom back on Tuesday. If he's healthy, they have to be the favorite in any series yeah. they play. Right, if you're throwing oh, yeah. out Scherzer, Degrom, and Taiwan Walker is having an outstanding year, and you're moving, you know, Carlos Carrasco and Chris Bassett potentially to the bullpen, or you use one of those guys in Game Four, and the other guy becomes your long guy. That's going to be really hard to beat. Yep. So Degrom is probably a bigger acquisition than anything else the Mets can do. That yep. said, they're going to make other moves. Billy Epler is a really good GM. I know he got a really raw deal in Anaheim, and a lot of people said, "Oh, well, you know, he can't get." You can't get Mike Trout in the playoffs. Well, you know what? He was the guy who talked Shohei Otani into coming to Anaheim for yeah. – it wasn't money that did it, right? Everybody could yeah. offer the same money pretty much. Um, and, and Billy was around Brian Cashman for a long time. He learned under cash and was the assistant GM with the Yankees, was in their front office when they won the World Series. And that's why when you see them make moves like they did already, Daniel Vogelbach, uh, Naquin, Tyler Naquin. Oh, Naquin. You know, these aren't the big sexy moves that everybody's – oh, the right. Mets just got Tyler Naquin – but that's improving on the margins. It's improving yep. the 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 18 to 25 spots on your team. Those are important spots, especially in the playoffs. So I think they'll add somebody to pick up some DH duties because their DH spots been kind of a mess this year. Could be Wilson Contreras. They do need some catching help as well. James McCann's been hurt and very unproductive when he's been healthy. Uh, I think he's got a, an OPS under 550. Um, you know, Thomas Nito's a really good backup defensive catcher, but he's got an OPS even lower than McCann. So uh, Contreras, maybe a Sean Murphy. So they will get something to help them in the catching department. They will get something to help them in the DH department. Contreras could fill both of those jobs. I expect them to bring in at least one reliever. So they will make some moves, no question about it, uh, you know, because they understand that. I'm not saying it's a one-year window for them, but right. Scherzer is, what, 37, 38 yep. years old. Like, he's not going to be awesome for the next All the time, years. we'll catch up to him. So... You know, if Degrom stays healthy and Scherzer's healthy, you got to take advantage of that. So they'll make some moves. Um, how about the Astros? Um, the Astros have a you know there aren't many weaknesses on that team, but there there is kind of a offensive hole there at first base with Yuli Gurriel not really producing much. I look at Josh Bell as a guy that might make sense for them, and I know they've they've been rumored to be interested. I, it feels like it feels like Josh Bell's got to get moved. So oh, Josh where, Bell's getting moved. Where 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 do we see him? landing and are the Astros in the, you know, probably in that mix I would think they would be I mean I think the Mets could be in that mix in that DH spot that I was talking about mm -hmm. uh you know the Red Sox seemed like a destination for him when they were playing better uh because yeah. their first base situation has been kind of a mess this year as well but yeah the Astros make the most sense Curiel's 38 he has not been playing particularly well uh it's a very easy spot for them to upgrade you know center field is another spot I think they could look at they've mm -hmm. never quite figured it out since uh, George Springer left as a free agent before the 21 season. And uh, the other really interesting sort of spot I'm looking at with them, their bullpen has the best ERA in the majors and they don't have a lefty. So, hmm. um, That's you know, I, I could see, uh, you know, Andrew Chafin or Matt Moore, one of those 
one of those lefties who's uh, who's out there on the market. I could see Houston going after one of them as well. Oh, you can't get it. You can't go into October without a lefty. In the, I mean, in they've hand. got some righties who certainly um, the reverse splits and things. You know, like have that. the reverse splits or at least equal splits Neutral. where they're where effective. But uh, you know, you'd like to you'd like to get one lefty in. Matt Moore and, and Chafin are both very good, and I could see uh, uh, you know Gregory Soto is another guy who obviously not a lefty specialist. He's been a, an All Star closer a couple years in a row. If Detroit decided to move him, I think that would be a move. You know, James Click has that Tampa Bay mentality right. coming from Tampa. Soto's under control for like three more years. So, like, how great would it be to add a guy like that? Sell, sell high. You know, so yeah. um, I, I would expect the Astros to, to look at first base, lefty reliever, and possibly center field. So, as good as they are, like every other team, there are holes there. Hey, Mark, we've talked about teams, but what about individual players? Other than Soto, what other individual players, big names, might we see on the move? Well, let's see. Contreras, we mentioned. I think he's uh, definitely on the move. JD. Uh, JD Martinez, to me, if Boston sells, then yeah, of course he's on the move. But I, I don't know that they're going to sell. To, they're tough to see it here. They're one point. of those. They're one of those other teams like uh, San Francisco, nice. where you're just sort of like, uh, you know, I can't get a read on them. Everybody I talk to, they're like, yeah, they were asking about. Uh, acquiring this guy, but they're also talking about trading this guy. I think they're trying to thread that needle of if they can trade some of the expiring contracts and bring in some guys with some control, uh, you know, and not hurt themselves, then I think that would be ideal. Yeah, uh, they're David still Robert- in full in competitive mode. They're, they're still in right. full in competition mode. So Correct. Uh, yeah. David Robertson, definitely the top reliever on the market. He will be moved. The Cubs have zero reason to keep him. You know, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. Josh Bell, Frankie Montas, I would expect will be moved, uh, you know, especially after, you know, what we saw the Reds get for Castillo, if the A's can get anything even close to that for Montas, I think he gets moved. Uh, Brandon Drury from the Reds. He's a free yeah, he's agent. Good he's making no money. He's giving a really good mm-hmm. year. He's got 20 home runs already. Uh, he'll get moved. The next level of starting pitcher, you have like Noah Syndergaard, Jose Quintana. You know, Quintana's been pretty good, no? He's Quintana's been, good. been really good. Syndergaard's yeah. been okay. I think, you know, Quintana could be brought in as like a three. Syndergaard could be brought in as like a three, four. Neither of these guys are going to bring in the you know sort of the the return that you saw with Castillo or you'll see with Montas or or Rodon if he gets traded but these guys definitely will will be able to fill the mid to back end of a rotation eat some innings and uh you know give give a team are, you know, are, an additional arm are Yankees Montas or bust here I mean is that what's happening there I don't know if it's Montas or bust I certainly think he's their number one target would they be happy bringing in Rodon sure I think that yeah. would be uh, you know a good plan B as well lefties in Yankee Stadium always play well but I I'd be surprised if, if Brian Cashman did not did not go out and get at least one starting pitcher I think with Severino's health right now Tyon's been a little up and down uh sort of like those other teams the Yankees yeah. are not looking to get to the first round of the playoffs and get bounced yeah. this is a team that has really high expectations the highest I think title. I think they'll uh you know they'll go out there and and do something uh, to try to help. That's going to be a reliever, maybe two. You know, they lost Michael King for the year. Yeah, that's um, brutal. You know, they already brought Benintendi in, so I think you, you'll you'll see a starter uh, show up. They don't have to trade Anthony Volpe, their number one prospect. Their number two prospect is also a shortstop who's actually closer to the big leagues, Oswald Peraza. So, you know, I, I think there's um, – there's plenty of, of prospect capital in the Yankee system to, to, Mark, to go get an arm. Mark, before we let you go, we want to give you a promotion of sorts. Maybe it's not a promotion. We want you to take Bill Schmidt's seat. If you were Bill Schmidt, if you were the Rockies general manager at this point, what would you do at the trade deadline? 
Well, I think the Rockies are in a situation where most of the players on their roster are, I don't want to say not tradable, but either they're signed or they're young and under control. Uh, I think there's a couple of relievers they can certainly move and bring something back. You know, they signed Bard, but I think Alex Colomay Alex is probably Colomay. a guy who certainly can get moved. Uh, I know that that there's been some interest out there. You know, Carlos Estevez, I think he's a guy there's been some interest in. Hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a those guys aren't necessarily plan A for a lot of these teams. But like I said before, there's a dozen teams looking for relief help. There's not a dozen A-level relievers out there. So Good once you miss market. out on David Robertson or Soto or Chafin or Moore, whoever it's going to be, the carousel is going to stop at some point and that's who's going to be left. So you'd, really be quick. A, you'd be a seller. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you'd, you'd have to be a seller for anything that you you can reasonably sell and get, you know, a, a valuable return on. I don't know, um, you know, besides those two guys, I'm not sure what it is. I think they like the, the young starting pitching staff they put together and they're hopeful that, you know, the, the guys who they would probably want to sell or, or could sell are having down years and the value is low. Yeah. Selling guys at their low value is not is not the way to go through life. That's fair. Uh, um, really quick, uh, just a couple minutes left, but really quick. Um, Otani, there's I, I see no way that he gets moved, but at the at, right by Tuesday. But what's the plan just really in a nutshell over there? I mean, he's he, he's going to be a free agent soon. One more year. Got to trade him in the offseason. I, yeah. I don't see how you don't. Unless you, I think you take a shot at resigning him. You say, here's our best offer. And if that's not going to happen, then you have to trade him because you can't let that guy walk for a draft pick. And yeah. if you're if you're not going to trade him in the offseason, well, I mean, unless you think you're really going to contend next season, why would you wait until July when a team's going to pay a lot more for a full year of what he does? So I don't think Soto... he gets traded by Tuesday, but – uh, with one year of control left, I think he's he's you know definitely a huge trade option in the offseason. Man, if he and Soto are, are still around uh, on the market in the winter or a trade market in the winter, that's going to be quite an offseason. I won't yeah. sleep. <laughs> yeah, you won't well, sleep. Speak, Mark, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, you might want to get some sleep uh, Wednesday, maybe, huh? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yep. You're not going to sleep till then, right? Yeah. We appreciate you joining us very, very much. Thanks for the insight, as always, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Take care. Mark Feinstein, MLB.com executive reporter. You got the executive. That's pretty cool. Man, you got a closer for us? Mark Feinstein is a... I know. I know. You know what people say above their pay grade? They're talking about Mark. He's up there. He's the guy that's pointing (laughs) it. That's good stuff. Man, you got a closer for us? Yep. All right. Manny's closer is coming up next. Stay with us. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We'll be right back. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present... Look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. The Rockies' two-year, $19 million extension of closer Daniel Bard is a great deal for Bard. For the Rockies, it's hard to see how this helps. Colorado is 46-57. and 57 in last place in the National League West. Doesn't have much in the way of top prospects in the upper levels of a farm system ranked in the bottom 10 of baseball. And from the outside looking in, doesn't seem to have any discernible direction other than the status quo. So you've got a good closer. But that's what you already had on a team that's 46-57. and 57. In other Rockies news, Chris Bryant left today's game with left foot soreness, 
That's the same foot in which he has plantar fasciitis, which can become a chronic issue. He's already missed most of the season due to back problems. The seven-year, $182 million contract the Rockies gave Bryant this past offseason is also confounding unless the club makes significant strides in the direction of improving. That's not going to happen overnight, but certainly you'd think trading veteran players who carry value to teams in the postseason hunt could net you some good MLB-ready or near-MLB-ready prospects. That would certainly be the thinking if you were looking at the medium and long-term future, rather than what's actually happening with the Rockies. Moves like the Bard extension are the types of moves contending teams make to win now and next year. But, as we've seen in recent years, the Rockies don't fit that mold, no matter how much they try to warp the clay. At some point, the clay hardens and can't be shaped anymore. Maybe that's where the Rockies already find themselves. Manny gets a contract extension, too, and he closes out another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Mark Feinsand of MLB Network and MLB.com for joining us. A difficult two months ahead for the Rockies. We'll examine that and more next time. Hope you'll join us. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.